Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, we have Kyle Malmstrom and he has a special guest and that is Ken Van Dam. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing great. Thanks, Eric. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Kyle, I appreciate you bringing on a guest. Ken, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, now I'm going to share with the audience, I am in the exact same position you are, audience. I have no idea who Ken is. So <laughs> I'm going to let Kyle introduce him and introduce the topic for the show today and go for it. So I'm, I'm here to learn, guys. Uh, well, we're honored to have Ken on, on this call with us today. Ken is a partner at Ernst & Young, and I'm actually just going to ask Ken to introduce himself, talk about his background and who he serves, and then we can get into the program. Sure, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my name's Ken Van Dam. I'm a tax partner with Ernst & Young in the San Diego office. Uh, Ernst & Young is uh, one of the largest worldwide CPA professional service firms globally with a global footprint. Um, I My career has spanned 30 years. I specialize in private companies and their owners. My clients tend to be mid to large sized private companies, not public companies, uh, with an emphasis in real estate. So a lot of my clients are real estate developers, syndicators, managers, operators, uh, lessers of uh, residential and non-residential real estate. Great. Well, Ken and I have worked together on a couple of cases in the past, and he's worked with Derek many, many years ago on a couple of cases, and we just can't be happy enough to have him on the call today because he's just a wealth of knowledge and uh, really an expert in his field. So today, we're going to continue our discussion on the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, better known as the CARES Act. In the past two months, we did a couple of podcasts specifically on the PPP loan program and the planning considerations that our clientele needed to be aware of to make the best decisions for their business. We're going to do just a quick, quick update on that today. And then we're going to get into the other provisions of the CARES Act that really apply to the ultra high net worth space, business owners. And we're going to share, Ken's going to share a wealth of information uh, with regards to, to the different aspects of it that people need to be aware of. I guess I would start with, uh, on the PPP loan, just as a friendly reminder to everyone, uh, the deadline on the application process is June 30th. So if you haven't taken the steps necessarily to get that application and get those loan proceeds, you need to, you need to act uh, steadfast here. We're here as a resource to help. We have the loan calculator, which we've provided to uh, many, many people and has helped a couple dozen clients that I know have for sure got the loan. If you seem to be getting a, a Heisman from the bank, go ahead and reach out to us because we have some contacts that might be able to help you. Additionally, Ken and I were chatting that uh, on Friday they released the forgiveness application. And hey, Ken, what's in the forgiveness application? How's that helping you guys? What are you guys looking at in that? Well, look, the, uh, the forgiveness, the, up until Friday, there's been quite a few questions as to how loan forgiveness is going to work. We can read the text of the bill. There's been some basic guidance issued before Friday. Well, Friday camp comes the actual application and the instructions to the application, which answered some of the questions. Maybe some of the questions haven't been answered yet, but at least some of the questions have been answered. You know, for, for example, 
you know, in order to get loan forgiveness, um, there's this concept that it's, you know, 75% of the forgiveness has to be for payroll costs incurred and paid within the eight-week period. Well, you know, payroll doesn't really work all that well that way in the eight-week period. You might incur some payroll during the eight-week period, but pay it after the eight-week period because there's usually a few days after a payroll period um, before the payroll actually gets paid. And, you know, the eight-week period might not fall perfectly within the payroll period. So this loan forgiveness application gives some guidance to say, look, that eight-week period can start the day of the uh, you receive the loan, or you can elect an alternative date to have it start on the payroll period date. And it gives you time to pay the payroll even after the eight-week period so that can still apply during the eight-week period. So um, they, 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 and they, they also answer some other questions. So for people that have received the PPP loan, I suggest you go to the SBA website, pull down that application form instructions, and read it. And then, you know, call your wealth advisor, call your banker, uh, call your CPA with any questions. Well, it's good they took the rigidness off of that because that was a concern for quite a few of our clients. Right. So in discussing the other, the revisions to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, Ken, uh, and how it applies to the ultra high net worth and high net worth space, tell us about what your experience has been since March 27th when they passed it. Uh, how's it working for you and your team and uh, how's life since, since all of these changes? Well, we, we've been sheltered in place like many people, but it, it has not been watching Netflix, let me tell you. It's been very busy. Um, the, uh, the CARES Act was a, a, just a, a massive bill and a bill that required a lot of uh, guidance to be issued by the IRS, Department of Treasury, SBA. And it, it seemed for a while there that almost every day there was new guidance being issued by somebody as to how to interpret the rules. Um, and this is very important. You know, people, you know, businesses are, a lot of businesses are shuttered. A lot of employees are off of work. And this is, in some respects, their lifeline. And we needed those rules to get out quickly. And the IRS and the Treasury has done a, a fairly good job getting the rules out quickly. But it's because of the nature of it, it's been ever evolving. And uh, it's been very busy for our profession trying to keep up with the rules, interpret what they mean, and then talk to our clients to figure out uh, how to apply them. Still busy. We've been on the diligence path as well and constantly uh, waiting for the, the guidance and, and reading through that as well. So I know you're all over it. So today on the revisions to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, let's go ahead and list out what we're going to talk about today, and then we can dig into each of those, Ken. Which ones do you think are the most appropriate to discuss today? Well, look, the CARES Act has a lot into it, so you and I aren't going to be able to talk about everything in the CARES Act, but I would like to focus on the provisions that affect privately owned businesses, which would, you know, there's quite a few things in there. I think um, several of the important things are, is there loss carryback provisions allowing uh, small businesses and their owners to get refunds of taxes paid in prior years? That's an important provision. There's provisions that change um, depreciation deductions for certain property. There's 
changes to the interest limitation rules and some abandonment property rules that I'd like to get into today. And we can, if we have time, we can talk about charitable donation deductions and retirement plans as well. Sure. And, and you and I were chatting about this and this is the information that we're going to talk about is, is complex to say the least, uh, takes a lot of analysis. Who is this best for? Like what size, when we start talking about net operating losses and the tax refunds that someone might get, let's just quantify for the audience so we get the right audience here. Who, who are we talking about? Who's this going to apply to the most? We're talking about business owners. And it doesn't matter whether you're small, medium, or large. There might be something in here for you. Um, if you don't mind, let's just, let, let me just try to frame up what, what that lost NOL carryback provision is. We refer to it as NOL, that's net operating losses. And, and, and think of it this way, whether you do business in a partnership, sole proprietor, corporation, LLC, if you experience a loss, which in today's economic climate, that's going to happen. Uh, to to a, a quite a few business owners, if you experience a loss under the old rules, you you had to quantify that loss and only carry it forward to offset future taxable income. Well, Congress wanted to get money back into the economy and and help the small the uh, the private business owners, so they created this loss carryback rule, which says that if you have a loss in two thousand. 18, 2019, 2020, you can carry that loss back five years and in that carryback reclaim as a refund taxes you previously paid in those you know, pre previous five years. The interesting thing about this loss carryback provision is that it went retroactive. We're not only talking about 2020 COVID-related losses. We're talking about the fact that if you had a loss in 2018 or you had a loss in 2019 as well, and you couldn't carry it back in those years because the law didn't allow you to carry it back in those years, you can now, on a retroactive basis, carry those losses back five years and, and get a refund for taxes previously paid. I think the audience would like to know who, what's the impact of that and wh when the planning comes into mind, you know, I think of it as, okay, here's somebody that either had a really bang up year, had a really banner year in 2017, uh, and then things didn't go right in 2018 or 19, or even more to the point of what's going on today, maybe you had a great year in 18 and 19, and you're going to pay high taxes in 18 and 19 and 2020 business is, you know, not good. So you can have these losses. So now your opportunity is to go back and file an NOL on those higher tax rates. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's right. And and there's some thought to put into this because you have some, pe people have some elections uh, and uh, some flexibility in how they, uh, you know, timing of reporting losses and, and how to process refund claim the, the modeling comes down to this is you know one there's just time value of money you know do, do you want your money now by doing a refund claim and getting that that cash in your pockets this year or do you want to carry it forward to future years in which who knows when you're going to utilize it in future years right that that's one factor but another important factor is by allowing a five-year refund claim you're going back to years such as 2013 for a 2018 loss, 
2014 for a 2019 loss. Well, those years had potentially higher tax rates than currently we have. The individual tax rates back then were 39.6%, highest rate. Now the highest rate is 37%, but you also might be subject to capital gains rate, which is only 20%. For C corporations, the highest tax rate back in 2013, 14, 15, etc., was 35%, which right now they're only 21%. So look, a refund carrying forward might save you money next year or the year after, but it might be at lower rates. So time value of money would tell you that you want the money now and carrying it back now, you actually might get a higher tax rate benefit. It's something for you and for, for your audience and their tax advisors to look at their prior year filings to determine what tax rates applied in their prior years and to plan and manage that refund claim in order to try to the best of your abilities to capture the largest refund by applying the loss carry back to the highest tax rate year and and it's not and it's a little bit tricky the five-year carry back claim dictates that you must carry back the loss to the fifth year first you don't get to choose which year you carry back to you have to carry back to the fifth year first and then the fourth year third year second year first year yeah. So where you have some um, optionality there is, and we'll get into this, there's certain elections that you can make to trigger tax losses. And you might decide to trigger a tax loss in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2018 by amending return in order to try to match the year that has the highest tax benefit. When you say that and you talk about amending all these different returns, there's definitely a level of complexity and compliance cost associated with that. Um, depending on the size of your business, right? It's going to dictate whether or not you want to go down this path and spend the money for the compliance cost. I have a client who has a $25 million travel business that they're not sure that they're going to be in business in the next two years. And so applying for a net an NOL and getting the tax refund for past years uh, is a much better option for them versus trying to apply going forward in the future. So how do you weigh uh, when you want to delve into that analysis and pay for the compliance costs to amend returns and try to get those tax refunds? Where's the sweet spot? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, you know, uh, you're right. Doing a refund claim costs money. You're going to, your audience is going to have to prepare, pay for a preparer to prepare forms. You're going to have to pay a preparer maybe to do modeling to figure out what is the best strategy for the refund claims. And and if you're only talking about a few thousand dollars, it's it's, it's really um, not much to plan for and might not be worth the cost and effort. Um, if you're talking losses in the six figures or seven figures, I, I think it's clear that going through this process of refund claim is going to be worthwhile. Um, and honestly, even if the loss is just twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, for me, I would do it. I probably wouldn't overthink it and try to do it as, as least right. uh, costly as possible, but I'd still do it. So the opportunity is real here. The How do you deal with the retroactive piece of this? 
Oh, it's, 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 well, the retroactive piece is tough. Uh, you, you need to look at your 2018 returns. If you've already filed your 2019 returns, you need to look at your 2019 returns and, and identify if you had losses, um, business losses. And you might see that just on the front page of your tax return by having negative taxable income. Or for individuals, you might also see a, a, a form 461, which, um, was a business loss limitation form that applied for 2018 and 2019 until the CARES Act came out in March and, and changed that. So uh, look to your tax returns, look to see if you have a net loss on page one, or look for Form 461. If you have either net loss or Form 461, then you, um, you have this opportunity. Well, prior to, before we move on to the next one, Ken, who's in your clientele is this affecting the most where are you seeing the opportunities other than just businesses with losses it's fairly um, answer (laughs) well it's it's a it's a taxpayer by taxpayer analysis right certainly there's certain segments of this uh economy that have been hard hit in 2020 restaurants hotel industry uh the the retail uh sector all bit hit hard in my client base where it's mostly real estate um, the hardest hit has been the retail uh, centers right the landlords retail centers and the tenants not being able to pay their rents on a timely basis I'm seeing that in the retail sector quite a bit but it's also there in office and in apartments to a lesser degree Um, and uh, for my practice what we've been focusing on uh, now is um, looking at some of the other provisions in the bill, uh, such as the qualified improvement property and um, abandonment deductions, which we're going to get into. And if you don't mind, I'll just I'll just dive right in. Yeah, that was that's where we're going. Okay, and these are all interrelated, and you'll understand why once we explain this. Qualified improvement property refers to property that's been capitalized that um, were in for improvements to interior portion of a, uh, of a non-residential building. So think office building, retail building, industrial building. And if you're a landlord or even if you're a tenant and you, 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 you have that type of space in your, as an asset and you've made interior improvements, the Tax Cuts and Job Act from several years ago made a mistake and uh, designated the, that type of qualified improvement property as 39-year depreciable property not subject to bonus depreciation. And so if you had an improvement property for a million dollars, you had to depreciate it over 39 years, basically getting $25,000 depreciation deduction every year. That's not what Congress intended. And in the CARES Act, they, they corrected their intentions on a retroactive basis and said that type of improvement property is actually 15-year life, not 39-year life. And more importantly, it's subject to the bonus depreciation. Bonus depreciation is basically 100% depreciation the year that you've placed it in service. So now, if I had a client with a million dollar qualified improvement property placed in service in 2018, 
I took a $25,000 deduction on the original return, I can go back and amend that return and claim the million dollar deduction as bonus depreciation. And that was a retroactive 2018. If it applies to 2019, it applies to 2020. Frankly, it applies to all subsequent years until law they changes. refer to that as the retail glitch. But yeah. You would argue that it's more than that because of the office space and... Yeah, and the, and the newspapers are referred to as the retail, retail glitch, but it doesn't apply just to retail. It applies to office, industrial, and retail. So if we apply time value to money to that, in your example of a million dollars versus 25 grand versus a million, you're talking uh, $10,000 tax savings versus a $400,000, $450,000 tax savings. That's exactly what the CARES Act was intended to do, was put cash back into the hands of the business owners so the business owners could survive uh, this downturn here. That's right. And, and, and that's, now that's you exactly right. That's grand that you can reinvest into your business, start a new business. Um, so how much of that work do you think you're going to be doing? Quite a bit. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> um, look, uh, it is, this is the reason why I wanted to kind of tie it back to the NOL conversation. Before you do an NOL carryback claim to get your refund, you first need to look to see if you have any of these hidden deductions, such as qualified broom property, to fix that first to maximize your net operating loss, then carry back that larger net operating loss to get a larger tax refund. So that's a process, and um, it, it takes some time. It, it costs some money, but if you have the right fact pattern, it could it could provide tremendous tax refunds. Another tax item that we're looking at is abandoned property. And this might this one might take some time to develop, but you know, meaning it might take the rest of this year to kind of really see what a taxpayer has. But the concept is this, and this isn't part of the CARES Act. This is just because of COVID-19 and shelter-in-place orders. We have businesses that have shuttered their businesses, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently. Yeah, you know, if if you have uh, worthless inventory, if you have abandoned um, your improvements or uh, equipment because you're not going to reopen your business due to COVID-19, then you have an abandonment deduction. It, it, it is for businesses, clearly it's for businesses that have closed and will not reopen due to COVID-19. It might be businesses that will reopen, but have some elements of their business that have become worthless or they need to abandon certain types of things, uh, property, when, once they reopen. And if that's the case, you have an abandonment deduction. There is a special code provision for federally declared disaster areas. We typically see it when there's hurricanes, earthquakes, wildfires, right? And when those types of events happen, and businesses have these types of, uh, of losses. The special code provision says that in order to get money back into the hands of the, the, uh, the business owner quicker, you can take that deduction in a tax return the tax year before the disaster. So we have a 2020 disaster right now with COVID-19. It's a federally declared disaster. The whole country is declared as a disaster zone. 
it might be possible to claim those deductions on your 2019 tax return the year before 2020. And if so, that could give you a 2019 net operating loss, allowing you to do a carryback refund claim and get money into your pockets right now, rather than having to wait till April 15, 2021 to see the benefits. So that's something else that uh, business, we're looking at with our client base. What if the business owner already filed the 2019 return? Can they go back and amend? Probably not. The answer there is probably not. This is probably best for suited for somebody that has not filed their 2019 tax returns yet. Now, that doesn't mean they lost their deduction. It just means that they probably just have to take the deduction on their 2020 tax return rather than 2019. We do have a situation where a lot of people have not filed their tax returns because the tax deadlines have been delayed. So I'm, I think there might be a mix of people out there that this still might be a benefit for 2019. So you and I were chatting about it. If you have a retail center and let's say you had a restaurant in there and the restaurant went under, that restaurant might have this abandonment deduction. And then because the restaurant is out, then that goes up the food chain to the retail center and they maybe they leave um, that office space and all the tenant improvements that were put into that space, which ultimately leads up into your client. Uh, and then that's how they would get it. So what's our time frame? Is it the end of the year? Do we, do we look into April of next year before we get uh, clear, before we really know the magnitude of it and, and we can size it all up? Well, first of all, you're, you're right. Uh, if a restaurant operator goes out of business, the restaurant operator has some, probably some losses, some deductions for abandoning the, uh, the improvements in FF and E, right? The landlord also has a de potential deduction because just lost a tenant and all the tenant improvements and lease commissions, et cetera, have, are a write-off for the, uh, for the landlord as well. So in that situation, there's deductions on both the landlord and the tenant side. I'm talking to all my clients about this issue. And before I file their 2019 tax returns, I'm trying to quantify the magnitude of the potential deductions. If there's a large, if it's a large magnitude, we'll do some, uh, try to, to find a position to take it on 2019 tax returns. Otherwise, we're putting on 2020 returns. As I said, some of this is going to take some time to figure out because we're still sheltered in place. And, and at least talking with my tenant, my clients that are landlords, especially in the retail sector, they're getting a lot of tenants talking to them about um, lease modifications to defer paying rent, etc. cetera. Um, and they're still trying to figure out which tenants are going to survive. And I don't think that's quite clearly known yet. And so some of this is just going to take time. You know, we had shelter in place at the beginning of this for the last two months and it's been only the last couple of weeks that people have been coming into this office and we try to figure out, you know, who can come in and, and how all, how we're going to staff in this office. And you look around and you say to yourself, it's an, a lot of, lot, an awful lot of office space for the number of people that we're going to have in here for the foreseeable future. And I suspect other business owners are going to start to have that. I don't have any intention of abandoning uh, yeah, it's a strange new other world we companies live in. Are definitely gonna, I bet other companies are definitely going to start working from home or, or downsizing the footprint, uh, and it's going to trickle up from there. 
Yeah, okay. I don't know exactly how it's going to all pan out. I'm I'm just a tax accountant, right? But uh, it it seems to me that there could there will likely be a fundamental shift in how we the needs of our office space and in, in retail spaces. It'll be interesting how that all um, plays out. Yeah. So the uh, talk to us about the process um, of interviewing your clients and and how you're bringing it up to the clients and and what clients can do to be proactive in this area to identify either the QIP or the or the abandonment and then carry it all up into the NOL. Yeah, well, look, I, I try to be proactive with my clients. I, I know each and every one of my clients. So when I read this, these provisions, I, I typically send off an email and a call to my client to make them aware of the provision, get them to think about it. But that's me. Um, I, I, the, maybe not everybody that's listening has a, a CPA or a, as proactive CPA. Um, I, I, I think if anybody that's listening that owns a business should talk to your CPA. Whether you think anything we talked about today applies or not, you should at least call your CPA and the other financial advisors to talk about the CARES Act. Um, there was a lot in there. We only covered a bit of it in today's call. And chances are there's something in there for everybody that's a business owner. And it starts with a conversation. I, I, I don't expect my clients to be tax experts. Um, uh, and uh, anybody on this call uh, may not be a tax expert. And it's best just to call their CPA and their financial advisors to work through their tax returns and, and talk about what's going on with their business right now, uh, the state of their business with these shelter-in-place orders, and uh, and plan accordingly. Uh, that's great information, Ken. Yeah, you're welcome. There's a couple more things I'd, I'd like to just mention that aren't necessarily business-related, but just throw it out there just for, for people to think about in case it applies to them. One is on um, charitable contributions. The CARES Act allowed for enhanced charitable contribution deductions, and you know it's. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually proud to say that some of my clients um, who are suffering in their businesses are community-minded and have talked proactively called me to talk to me about these provisions. They want to help um, help the community, help uh, their employees, and one of the provisions allows for a. Um, a charitable donation deduction against their taxes, not limited by the a percentage of income. For those of that are listening that have that are charitably minded, you probably are aware that historically cash contributions to public charities are limited to 50% or in some cases 60% of your gross income. Uh, that's been um, waived for 2020. So, so basically, you can offset 100% of your taxable income with charitable donation deductions for those that are really charitably inclined. That's an interesting in a piece. In a time when it's most needed. Exactly right. And like I said, I'm proud to say that quite a few of my clients have really stepped up and are helping out uh, the community. The second thing is um, retirement plans. A couple changes to retirement plans. Uh Probably the most important change is that anybody that's affected by COVID-19, for instance, you have the virus or you have a dependent 
loved one that has the virus that you've taken care of, or if you just lost your job or been furloughed or have reduced work schedules so that such that it's become a financial um, uh, stress upon you, you can take a retirement plan distribution subject to income taxes, but not subject to penalties. They, they're waiving penalties and just making it subject to income tax. And then the provision allows you to repay back that distribution within three years and um, um, kind of put it back and take the tax deduction. So they're, they're allowing people to tap into their retirement plans on a more cost-efficient basis. Which is critically needed in a time like this when when cash flows could be impaired. Exactly. I did some stuff on the 401ks where they allowed you to borrow up to 100% as well. So. Yep. Tying it all together here, you know, this is really heady stuff. And I would just encourage clients and business owners to reach out to their CPAs and or to us and they're making an introduction to Ken or you can contact Ken directly uh, if you have questions about this stuff because we're talking about real tax savings here. It's It requires a lot of work. It requires someone being proactive and thinking through it and understanding the situation Ken, if someone needed to reach out to you directly, what's the best method? How do they get in touch with you? My email address is Ken, K-E-N, dot Van Dam, V-A-N-D-A-M-M-E, at E-Y dot com. Guys, this has been fantastic. I am extremely happy that I brought a knife and fork today because, good gravy, that's a, that's a lot of meat. <laughs> You guys had a lot of stuff to talk about, and I think the advice, Kyle, that you gave near the end there, which is contact a professional. In fact, Ken, I think you said it multiple times as well. Contact a professional. That's exactly what people need to do because it is incredibly complex. So, Kyle, thank you so much for bringing Ken on. Oh, thank you, Ken, for joining us. Uh, I know it's busy tax season for you, and you got a lot going on, so I appreciate you spending the time and sharing that with uh, the audience today. And I just remind everybody – that coordinated planning and trying to minimize your taxes and manage your marginal tax rates and all that requires a lot of coordination and effort and that's what we're here to do and ken's one of the finest at it and and i can't thank him enough for being here today thank you very much kyle it's my pleasure and thank you eric for uh, for moderating Absolutely. And the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, family, and colleagues. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. 
Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.